0: What do we learn from Titans Steelers and what should we expect from Dolphins Chiefs? I'm Peter Wieckowski. This is NFL Kickoff Live. Welcome to NFL Kickoff Live. It's the best hour of football talk. Every single Friday, we'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and plus, get local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here on Locked On. I'm your host, Peter Bukowski. Alongside me, Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. Let's get straight into Thursday night football. Guys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, incapable of playing a normal football game, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Certainly for the first three quarters, they are incapable of playing a normal football game. But but Kyle, at the end, it was Kenny Pickett making the plays that they had to make. Deontay Johnson gets his first touchdown in approximately a decade. And now they're sitting here in pretty good position in the AFC. What do you think of Pittsburgh as an AFC team right now?
1: Yeah, they they were a team coming into the season. You knew there were questions about but you looked at the schedule that they had and how you felt it would break. And if they could perform well in the AFC North, you felt good about their ability with the Mike Tomlin floor, right? The Mike Tomlin floor yeah. is eight losses. And if if you could perform anything higher than that, you're going to be in position to contend for a playoff spot. And here they are halfway point of the season at five and three, halfway to double digit wins. And uh, credit to, to a couple of playmakers between Deontay Johnson and, Uh, Jalen Warren ripping off that big run to put him down on the the goal line and and Najee Harris having a couple chunk runs. Uh, So I think Pittsburgh, you know, has some nice things to take away from this game against a physical Tennessee team that sold a little bit at the deadline with Kevin Byard, but certainly felt like they got some juice with Will Levis at quarterback versus what they've been working with previously this season.
0: Yeah, I want to get to Will Levis in just a second here. I'm going to stick with Pittsburgh, though, Jarvis, because Kenny Pickett, he he plays this perfect preseason And like actually legitimately had a perfect passer rating in the preseason. And if you ever need evidence that the preseason is fake, that is it because he has been a bottom tier quarterback so far in this NFL season. How much of that is, do you think sophomore slump versus, you know, some of the pieces around him? Matt Canada has been the, the whipping boy, certainly from Steelers fans here. Like to what do you most attribute the fact that we haven't seen Kenny Pickett take the year two jump that some people thought he could take?
2: I think that is, it, I think the dysfunction on offense is, is the thing that I will point to because when you think about Matt Canada being the whipping boy, Kenny Pickett having some questions coming into this season, and also the injury to Deontay Johnson, I think that was a big one because since he's been back, 29 targets, 20 catches, 254 yards, like you mentioned earlier, he got his first touchdown. So I think this offense is starting to look like a real NFL t- type offense. You got Najee Harris involved, got Jalen Warren. Who is the more explosive back? I think we can I think we can all can agree on that part of it, yeah, so and everybody was out there making plays, so I think that that's the thing that you you find up be able to find a rhythm in, as far as the offense goes and, and look how the flow of it is and, and know who your playmakers are. and then you know, hey George Pickens can be a wide receiver too, I feel, and with, with Deontay Johnson being taking over that wide receiver one spot, so all those things kind of add up to hey they're getting they're getting healthy. And Matt Kennedy is starting to figure out, hey, I can actually call plays in this league and come up with a nice game plan to beat a team like a, like the Tennessee Titans. So I think it all was a matter of timing and the dysfunction to start off. But now that you got some guys healthy and you're starting to figure out how to use those weapons, that you, all those weapons that you have on offense, I think that's the that's the key to what we saw last night. Yeah, I was
0: talking to a league source the other day about the Steelers offense because I was like, I see some similarities with the Packers and some of the things that they're doing, the stagnant sets that you see. And he was like, yeah, that offense is as bad as you think it is. People within the league think that offense is as bad as you think it is. And they just have enough playmakers right now to overcome it. Kyle, you mentioned the the floor, the Mike Tomlin floor. How much of that is this defense? Like we've been talking for almost five minutes about the Pittsburgh Steelers and we haven't mentioned the name TJ Watt. Alex Highsmith had two sacks in this game. Like, it seems like we're just like, that's just a given that the, the defense is going to be really, really good. But they are one of the few defenses we see every week change football games with the plays that they make.
1: Yeah, their front seven is is something spectacular. And I think you saw some of the miscommunications without Minka Fitzpatrick, who didn't play. He had the hamstring injury. And uh, we could talk about Tennessee and, and the first half and how the script played out. But Uh, When they did get to Will Levis, you know, it it was that pressure off the edge and Cam Hayward comes back. That's a huge boost for them. So kind of the exchange of you lose one blue chip player, you get another one back. Cam Hayward's one of the the better interior defensive linemen in football, and it it just allows them to dictate terms. And when you're going against a team like Tennessee, who wants to big boy people and run the ball and play games close to the vest, when you got to drop back, when you don't stay on schedule, those guys can hunt and, and they got after him rushing the passer, especially down the stretch. You could tell the passing game for Tennessee was much less comfortable in the second half of that football game. And Watt himself is somebody who changes the, the, the game plan for how you come into every week when you try to play Pittsburgh. So, you know, you know, if you're not going to score 24 plus points, you're probably going to be in a one possession game late in the game. And you better hope the ball doesn't bounce the other team's way. Cause if it does, then Pittsburgh's probably going to walk out of there with a win and a closely fought victory.
0: Yeah, the, the ball has bounced their way. They are a little bit the 2022 Vikings where they're just winning all these right. one-score games, all the underlying metrics say oh, they're not a very good team. And yet, it's not going to matter if they win 10 or 11 games because they're going to go to the playoffs. Jarvis, I want to flip this with Tennessee because Will Levis has been one of the one of the bright spot stories so far in this season for this Tennessee offense. There was that scary hit from Traylon Burks that, that he comes has to be carted off the field. Derrick Henry doesn't look quite the same, but Will Levis looks like he is a shot in the arm for this team right now. You're in, in SEC country and there were plenty of if you, like if you ask college football fans are like, you guys are really hype about Will Levis. So how surprised are you that he's looked this good through two games?
2: To be honest, I was a guy that was like, Oh, Will Levis. All right, cool. All right, Kentucky. <laughs> all right, whatever. Yeah. But like in the last, cause I got a chance to get a really good look at him against the Falcons last week. And, when you think about, like, the type of throws, the ball just k- jumps off his arm, and, and it's, it's almost like a flick of a wrist, and he's throwing the ball, like, 40 yards down the field right on time, and just the type of throws that he was making, especially specifically in that drive, like, going into going into halftime and where they end up getting that field goal to Phillips, like, that throw, like, right inside the numbers, right, o- right on the hash, like, that. those type of things, you don't really see guys coming in making those type of throws, so... The guy has arm talent, and it is special. And not necessarily – I mean, a lot of times you, when you hear that, you think guys can throw the ball like 70 yards. You know, mm-hmm. Now, granted, he can throw it. He can sling it. But I'm talking about being able to throw it downfield and put it on, on on time because you see his wide receivers. Most of the time when he's throwing the ball down the field, all you just seeing is they're doing a simple – sticking their hands out, and the ball's right there in their bread basket. So those are the type of things that you look for when you talk about a rookie quarterback, and I think he's played well enough to where – they shouldn't even be thinking about Ryan Tannehill at this point. It's over. For me, Kyle, do you feel the same way? I do.
1: And, and one thing that I don't want to get lost in this game is Tennessee Jarvis talked about that two-minute offense drive. They take over like a minute, 37 seconds left, and they have a chance to go down the field. They get to the third and 10 in the red zone, and they decide to run the ball. And Mike Vrabel said after the game it was because Will missed throws on first and second down, and I saw Tajay Sharp fall over his own feet on that wheel route out of the backfield in which he Mm -hmm. fell over. And if he just keeps his stride and doesn't turn and then backpedal and then try to 360 his way to catching the football, it's a touchdown. (laughs) And I thought that was a shame because, you know, Pittsburgh, we talked about the miscommunications in the secondary, their corners are slow. They really can't stick with guys in main coverage. Levis is sitting in there. He's under pressure, making big time throws that, you you want to get those red zone reps? You want to get a chance to score and, and get six points there? Well, they they punted on going for it on third and ten in the red zone and kick a field goal. And guess what? You lost by four points. So here's your sign. I hope I hope moving forward, Tennessee. If you're going to be in a position to trade Kevin Byard, don't play for field goals at the end of the first half when you've got a rookie quarterback who's slinging the ball around. Go for it. And he 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 should with the way he played in the first half. I think it was 15 and 19. He earned Mike Vrabel's trust in the first half, regardless of what happened on first down, and regardless of what happened on second down when Tajay Spears fell over his own feet. I, I
0: just want to stick with you for one second, and you put on your your NFL scouting hat here for a second because it does make me wonder why didn't they just start the season with Will Levis? Like there, there, Ryan Tannehill was an abomination for most of the season in the first half of the year. Like, how does this change? I it, I find it hard to believe, Kyle, that. Sitting eight games helped Will Levis that much.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe from a, a vocabulary standpoint and, and and from a size of the menu that you have to work with standpoint, but uh, I generally agree with, with where Ryan Tannehill was uh, with the injuries that he had last year, uh, with the regression. This was not the 2019-2020 version of Ryan Tannehill, even the last two years. Uh, I, I think Tennessee probably just came into this and in spite of trading away A.J. Brown ahead of the 2022 season and in spite of you know, the saga with Kevin Byard, they almost traded Kevin Bayard in the spring and then they figured it out because they wanted to try to continue to compete. And then this season unfolds the way that it does with four new starters on your, five new starters on your offensive line and most of them aren't particularly good. And you're forced to sit down and have the conversation after the first two months of the season and say, we don't got it this year, guys. So, like, this has to happen now. And, you know, Mike Vrabel, he's been an awesome coach for them. He will see them through that. They obviously made the change with John Robinson last year. But I I I I just kind of get the sense that Vrabel came into this season and didn't want to concede the year before it was already gone. And now here they are, and you're three and five, and you're in a division where Jacksonville's won five in a row. They're sitting at six and two. That division is going to go a certain way and it's not going to go your way. So at this point, it's about. Get the reps that you can with a young quarterback. Evaluate what pieces you have that make sense around him. And then go out this offseason and try to acquire more to to draw the best out of him.
0: Speaking of acquiring more, we had a pretty fun trade deadline. Washington decided um, pass rush. We don't need no stinking pass rush. They trade Chase Young to the 49ers. They trade Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears. And... That buyer trade in Philadelphia maybe set off a little bit of a train reaction. These, these NFC teams in particular loading yeah. up a little bit here. Jarvis, this Chase Young trade, when you saw it, were you surprised, especially given that we saw Montez Sweat first for more. were you surprised that no one else was like, hey, we'll do this trade, and the 49ers were able to grab a, a, a sterling young talent like Chase Young?
2: To be honest with you, I really wasn't because you know being down here in Atlanta – where we just are clamoring for somebody who can rush the passer consistently on, on third and long. Like like when Chase Young is on the field, he's a special talent. He's an exceptional talent. But he's not on the field that much. So yeah. I think that I wasn't too shocked that he actually went for a lower pick than Montez Sweat because Montez Sweat, he stays on the field and he's pretty consistent. And I feel like there is some room for growth in him as far as rushing the passer on, on third down. So um, for me, I wasn't too – Too surprised by it, but I'm I'm definitely not surprised by San Francisco making the move because that's one thing that I admire about the 49ers as an organization. They value guys up front. They understand how to build a team, how to have a foundation to say, you know what, we don't care what our back end of our defense looks like. We're going to have guys who can get after it, and they're going to overwhelm your offensive line time in and time out. So you better not become one-dimensional or we're going to break you. And that's what the San Francisco 49ers have done, and that's what they're going to continue to do because those guys just load up, and I'm just sitting back like, yeah, man, let's, let's keep on doing it because that's exactly how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: to your point, Jarvis, 15 games his rookie season for Chase Young, 17 games in the three seasons <laughs> since then. That is just not a reliable play. For as good as he's been this year, five sacks this year, top 20 in pressure rate, all those things. Uh, Kyle, quickly here before we have to go to a break, Uh, another team that builds through the trenches, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I I guess in a way you could say their trade deadline move was Kevin Byard. And if you want to add like Jalen Carter, because that was the steal of the draft in this one. But were you surprised they didn't try to do a little more, especially by the way, after their defense gave up 31 to Sam Howell and company?
1: Yeah. uh, And Washington performed pretty well against them the first time they played this season too. So uh Divisional games always get weird, right? Case in point, the Denver Broncos scored 24 points and beat the Kansas City Chiefs by two touchdowns in week eight as well. So you just never know with divisional games. But for Philly, um, as somebody whose team played Philly in the last three weeks and just had a wave after wave after wave of pass rushers and defensive line talent. I think that is the best defensive line in football without an acquisition at the deadline. So I know they've had some guys banged up. You know, Jordan Davis has been a little banged up. Jalen Carter missed a game here. Milton Williams, a little banged up. They get all these guys back and healthy and they kind of tread water and and get everybody aligned late in the season, which it feels like that's what a lot of the top end teams that are dealing with injuries right now. It's like, let's just get through weather the storm and then we'll get to December and we're going to try and sync everybody up and be ready to go between Hassan Reddick. Josh Swett, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, who I didn't even mention the first time, through, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Milton. like They are so loaded up front. If you would have gone out and got a linebacker, maybe. I think you probably could have justified it, but uh, I think they have enough to work with. And then Bayard on the back end allows you to do more structurally in the back seven to compensate if you have issues at linebacker too.
0: Well, it's almost time for our game of the week, and it is the rare Europe game. A Germany game that is actually the game of the week. And we might just already have someone on the dais who knows a thing or two about one of those teams. That's coming up in just a second on our Locked On NFL Kickoff Live.
2: Folks, listen up. Jarvis Davis here for Prize Peaks. This episode of NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. That is the website that you need to go to right now because this is the most fun I've been having, winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. It's just that. Guys, I've been testing my skills on prize picks this football season because it's the best way to play daily fantasy sports. You don't have to wait for to the end of the season, go collect your money. And then next thing you know, the guy don't want to pay up and all that good stuff. You got to worry about all that. Daily fantasy sports is prize picks. I'm telling you, that's the place you need to go to right now. Also, they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. We going up um, each Tuesday. Prospect discount select player projections up to 25 percent to provide even more value. So if you haven't gone to the website, what the heck are you waiting on? I'm, I'm literally looking at you at that keyboard right now. Start typing prospect slash locked on NFL. So go to prospect.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. What? A first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. So, yeah, like, start moving those fingers, folks. All right, and here's what you need to do because Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy sports place, and it's always, always going to be easy.
0: We're back with you, NFL kickoff live on the Locked On Podcast Network, and you're going to have to get that coffee brewing a little bit earlier. On Sunday, because we've got a Germany game. It's Dolphins, it's Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, one and a half point favorites, according to our friends at FanDuel. Kyle Krabs just happens to be the man when it comes to the Miami Dolphins for our locked-on Dolphins show. Kyle, this this would be the game of the week, even if it weren't the standalone game in the morning. Uh, I, I can't imagine that that you will have any problems getting up for this one. How do you how do you handicap this
1: matchup? my troubles are going to be going to sleep on Saturday night <laughs> for a game like this. I, I'm pumped for this football game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the focus for Kansas city is you lost an ugly football game and turned the, the ball over five times against a lowly Denver Broncos team. If we're being honest, we've already conceded that divisional games kind of get weird from time to time. Pat Mahomes plays with the flu road game. It snowed before the game. All, like how much did that weigh into it? And then for Miami, everybody points to their record at 6-2 and two and says, well, they've played two teams with winning records at this stage, and they lost them both, one by 28 points and the other by 14. Uh, I think they represented themselves better against Philadelphia. I think the key storyline for Miami coming in, Teron Armstead had his 21-day uh, activation window off of injured reserve started, and he practiced all week. I would expect Teron Armstead to play. I would expect him to be activated in play. Uh, the two games that they played against teams that are plus 500 starting center Connor Williams missed, he is expected to play. Xavier Howard didn't play against the Eagles. Jalen Ramsey didn't play against the Eagles. They're both expected to play. Ramsey made his season debut and had an interception against the Patriots. So it, it's Miami we, we just talked about with Philadelphia and some of their bumps and bruises on the defensive line. This is another team that is kind of syncing everything up, trying to get the players right for the stretch run uh, for playoff positioning. And obviously you have a game before you're by where you get to play Kansas City and um, they're going to be motivated offensively to get things going. I'm fascinated by the matchup with the offensive tackles from Kansas City with uh, Jawan Taylor and uh, Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith, thank you, versus Bradley Chubb, who's played against this, this offense quite a few times in Denver, Jalen Phillips, who came back. And then when Kansas City has the, or when Kansas City's on defense, Nick Bolton is on IR. And then another linebacker, Willie Gay, may not play in this game with a lower back issue. So with Miami, with the shifts and the motions and the miscommunications, there's a chance for them when they get their reinforcements on the offensive line to really reignite the run game and get this thing going. So there's interesting stories on both sides. Jarvis, this is one of those teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, that just feels like
0: if they play bad one week, they're not going to play bad two weeks in a row. If you're the Dolphins, if you're a Dolphins fan, especially, are you kind of like, dang, I kind of wish they had won last week. Like, I kind of wish they beat the Broncos by twenty because the Chiefs are also a team that will just sleepwalk through a game. We just saw them do it.
2: It just seems like they're probably not going to do it two weeks in a row, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at with it because, like, we talk about you know the the Dolphins being zero and 2, eighteen They only scored eighteen and a half points, averaging eighteen and a half points against a team that they that they've um, they're the zero and two against with a winning record. So those are some of the things that I feel like are going to come into play. Like, because I heard someone, you know, who referenced Patrick Mahomes as Michael Jordan, right? Like, when you think about that, like, that it applies very well. And we're talking about, you know, him, you know, obviously wasn't feeling well last week, but coming into this game and coming off a loss, offense only put up nine points. Like, it just, it seems like it's just measuring up to be one of those type of games where it's saying, okay, uh, for all you people who thought we were, down and out for one week in the NFL when, hey, you talk about divisional games, is a divisional match, anything can happen. Now nah, we're here. We're here. And I think that this offense is definitely going to get it together. And it, I think it all starts with the running game because, you know, I talked about on this show, Peter, uh time and time again. Like, everybody gets all fascinated with the pass and all that stuff, and I get it. Those numbers look really sexy on paper. But it's all about balance and getting Isaiah Pacheco involved in this game i think that's gonna go go a long way with them with having michael jordan and with the ball in his hands if it's close in the end like yeah I, i'm putting my money on patrick mahomes at the end of the day jarvis how would it change your opinion
0: if you knew whether or not taylor swift was going to be there
2: Uh travis kelsey numbers are going to be inflated <laughs> <laughs> it seems like every game that she attends travis kelsey just goes off and you know of course you know, when you have a little motivation, you know, you got your, your sweet thing up there in the, in the press box with mom kicking and everything. Like you want to put on a good show. So I I feel like if Taylor Swift is there, oh my gosh, better watch out. Travis Kelsey, I hope you have him on your fantasy team because it, it's about, it's, it's go time and he's about to go off. He was already talking a little trash to you. Like, hey, man, we're going to get it together. We're good to go. So yeah, if be careful or watch out, uh, Miami Dolphins defense, if Taylor, uh, Taylor Swift is there and the Swifties because we know they're going to be. In full effect. Absolutely. Speaking
0: of big brands and superstars, the Dallas Cowboys are trying to remain in the conversation for the top teams in the NFC this week. They get their divisional rival and the class of the NFC right now, the Philadelphia Eagles. How does this one shake out? Our Locked On Eagles host, Gino Camilleri, and our Locked On Cowboys host, Marcus Mosier. Break it down.
3: So my prediction this season is I think the Cowboys and Eagles split these games. And I actually think that Philly probably gets this home win. It's, it's an afternoon game. That crowd is going to be rocking, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think this game is more important for the Cowboys and not for seeding purposes. I, if you ask me today, I still think Philadelphia wins the division, and I think Philadelphia ends up being the number one seed. But I think there's a scenario where if the Cowboys win this game, and even if they don't win the division – they feel really good about their chances in the playoffs. I think that 49ers game rocked them a little bit. I think it took away some of their confidence, just not being able to compete with the 49ers at all. If they win this game, I think it changes the trajectory of the season. I think all of a sudden they really believe we get in the playoffs and we get matched up with Philadelphia. We're going to be fine, whether it's at home or on the road. If they lose, I, start, I, I, I wonder none of the wheels are going to fall off, but if it's like, okay, same story as last year. We're going to be 12 and 5. We're going to probably have to play on the road in round 1 and that's probably as far as we'll go after winning that game. So, I kind of think it's a bigger game for the Cowboys, but I think I'm going to predict the Eagles to win this one. I think the split is always safe and these teams end up always flopping like
4: if it's the Eagles winning in Dallas, it'll be Dallas yep. winning in Philly and it's just one of those things
3: that they're so evenly
4: is, matched and they know each other it is. so well. that's why you always have to say throw out the record books right and and to your point about it being a very important game for Dallas I mean how big is that in the grand scheme of the NFC with Seattle having five wins and Detroit just getting their sixth win and San Fran being as good as they are it's it's a lot better than I think most people had expected and if the Eagles can get that win I think it just for them it's just business as usual but if they lose and if it's close, I think all things considered, it's an NFC matchup. NFC East matchup, You were close with Washington no, twice. Yeah. yeah, you'll get over it. But if the Eagles don't show up in the middle of the afternoon, right before their bye week, it's almost summer vacations on the horizon and we can get healthier. Like, let's throw everything at them. That's a real wake-up call for who you are as a football team. And there have been questions at times. I mean, they've had slow starts, and they've had sloppy stretches of play. They haven't been this perfect team that I think a lot of us were accustomed to in 2022. But now it really comes down to hunkering down and taking care of the division. Can you be the first team to go back-to-back in the division since forever ago? It's going to have to come down to this game. Because like I said, I keep going back to it. The Eagles don't play next week. To have the opportunity to give Dallas the chance to make up two games over the next 14 days is not something you want. As Nick Sirianni being the head coach, you don't want the media to start asking questions for the next two weeks. Not us here at Locked On Eagles, but the talking heads in Philadelphia. Yeah, it'll, it'll get really messy.
0: No doubt the media in Philadelphia will be eating up any loss. That's just the way things operate there. But Kyle, I look at this game and I go, this is a huge litmus test for the Dallas Cowboys because they already got the brakes beat off them by the 49ers. When was the last time they won a big game? When was the last time Dak Prescott played great in a big game? Was it at Mississippi State? That's a separate question. So to me, I feel like all of the pressure for this game is on Dallas to say,
1: no, no, we're actually one of the big dogs in the NFC. Yeah, I think Dallas, at at the very least, has to to represent themselves very well. And uh, I I still look at this Dallas team, and they had a really impressive win against the Rams last week, and and Matt Stafford gets banged up. They are so opportunistic with defensive scoring. They have five touchdowns between defense and special teams thus far this season at the halfway point. So if you if you were to take those out of the equation, they lose five points per game on their scoring average for this season. So as I look at the game, in, in line with what you're talking about with Dak Prescott and big performances and them trying to find their rhythm and get another contributor in the passing game that's not C.D. Lamb, this Philly team just does not feel like an ideal place to have to go play a football game and do that. Now, maybe with the infusion of Kevin Byard, there's miscommunications, there's coverage breakdowns, and I know Dallas has a really good offensive line in their own right, but I just don't know that they have enough juice to really keep pace if Philly's really able to get after Dallas, and I expect Philly to be physical up front and run the ball. You know, Micah Parsons for as dynamic as he is. He's not the biggest guy. And, you know, they, they have Leighton Van der Esch on IR right now for Dallas as well. And they've got opportunistic ball hawks in the secondary. You got Jalen Hurts who can run the ball with the quarterback run game. There, I think there's much more questions for Dallas. And I think their margin for victory as a result is significantly more narrow.
0: Jarvis, the flip side of this for Philadelphia is, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not compelled by that there's pressure on them. They don't want to answer questions for two weeks. No one wants to lose and answer questions for two weeks in any game. But it does seem like they have an opportunity here to say, all right, the 49ers, Brock Purdy has looked human the last couple of weeks. That team, I know they added Chase Young, but like they're gonna go as far as the quarterback can take them. For Philadelphia, they're like, hey, we just won the NFC and we haven't looked great. Just wait until we really get playing and we're gonna show you this week against Dallas. Like, this could be the week that they say, hey, look, this is this is our conference. It's been our conference. There is certainly some incentive here
2: absolutely um because when you think about you know want to get back to a super bowl because Nick Sirianni is the type of guy he he comes off as a guy that's saying yeah i like to do what i want to do and yeah we're going to do the mush rush or whatever you want to call it the Philly love i don't even know what they call it a brotherly push whatever they call it these days <laughs> like they want to say hey we're going to we're going to be able to put our stamp on on this particular game i feel and and, and just step on the step on the Cowboys and 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 make fun of them like we normally do because we know that like you mentioned that Prescott like my father has been a lifelong Cowboys fan for some strange reason and growing up in Atlanta I still don't get it to this day and I was having a conversation when he was like yeah yeah the Cowboys going to do their thing I was like yeah you really believe that like I mean I know you really believe that cuz you're a the Cowboys fan but like, do you really see that happening? And I just don't see that happening in this particular game because I, I, I had a good feeling, and we talked about it on the show last week. I had a good feeling that the Cowboys were going to come out and, and beat the Rams. I didn't think they were going to beat them like that, put a forty piece up on them. I didn't think they were going to do it like that, but they did exactly what I thought they would do in a game that you know it doesn't really necessarily mean too much. And yeah, those those are games that Dak Prescott shines right. But games like this, you're going into Philadelphia, you're going up against a team that knows that they're better than you or they at least they're going to assume that because, hey, they don't respect you like that because nobody respects the Cowboys in big games. And I think that this is the game that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to come to play. And I love the fact that you know, Kevin Bayer is, is there in the, in the in the in the back end of that secondary because Lord knows that's where they need that help. And I think he's gonna—he was a guy that was very accountable after playing in his first game. He's saying, "You know what? We're gonna have to get this thing situated." And I wholeheartedly believe that they are going to get it right on the back end. And once you talk about the back end of that defense getting to a point where they're playing at a high level, couple that with that front. This is this is
0: that's that's scary.
2: I'll just leave it at that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the Cowboys doing their thing in big games over the last 25 years has not gone great. So I don't know why you'd want the Cowboys to do their thing in this one. Uh, We're going to play a little game of Sell Me Why coming up here on the Locked On NFL Kickoff Live Show.
2: DoorDash, folks. Have you been sitting there hungry? Why are you sitting there hungry? You don't feel like getting into the car? I get it. I've been there before. I promise you I've been there. I sit on my couch in the middle of the night and say, you know what? I'm hungry, but I don't want to drive anywhere. DoorDash has gotten you covered, guys, because they're getting 50% off up to $10 value. If you spend $15 or more on your first order, when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. Guess what, guys? DoorDash has it all. I'm talking about from pizza wings soda burgers or even just buns on doordash like when you go to the grocery store you need some buns you forgot to get it your wife is yelling at you all you gotta do is just order it on doordash i'm telling you they're gonna solve all your marital issues by doordash i'm telling you that's that's exactly what they're gonna do and you can get it all delivered without missing the game that is the most important part because we're all football heads. we all are suckers for some NFL football. So you need to be nourished while you're sitting there enjoying your team, unless you're a Cowboys fan. You know, that's just kind of how, how it works in life. So score football seasons, best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and much, much more. And you're going to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, that's code LOCK23, O C K D L-O-C-K-E-D, excuse me, 23. Something to change. Terms apply. The 5-2
0: Seattle Seahawks, 5.5-point underdogs against the 6-2 Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. We got a bird matchup. Here's Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks to sell you why
5: the Seahawks will cover the spread. This is Corbin Smith for the Locked On Seahawks podcast. The Seahawks will hit the road to battle the talented Ravens in Baltimore. They're five-and-a-half-point underdogs going into this game, according to FanDuel. But don't take the Seahawks lightly when they're traveling to the East Coast for a 10 a.m. start. The Seahawks are actually 15-4. and Under Coach Pete Carroll in those situations, totally different than the rest of their franchise history. Carroll has developed an excellent routine for his players, and they have been playing outstanding defense, giving up less than 20 points in each of their past four games. They're going to need to play that way against a really good Ravens team that also has an excellent defense. Geno Smith and company, though, they've got the weapons with Jack Smith and Jigba, D.K. Metcalf. Tyler Lockett and a good tight end group, as well as Ken Walker, third in the backfield, to be able to put up enough points to be able to hang tough in this game. Five and a half points should be doable for the Seahawks to cover in this one, even on the road.
0: Kyle, this is a tough one for me because I, I look at this Seahawks team and I see all of that explosive offensive firepower, what they were last year, but they haven't been that this year. They've kind of had to hang their hat a little bit more on their defense and the last time the Ravens played in one of these big-ish games against an NFC playoff team, they beat the crap out of the Detroit Lions. So how do you, how do you see this one playing out? What's the key
1: matchup for you? Uh, I think it's Mike McDonald's defense creating turnovers. And Seattle has had big time struggles since their early bye week with protecting the football. They have seven turnovers in their last three games. They managed to go two and one in that stretch. But if you play with that level of sloppiness against this Baltimore Ravens defense, which has hordes of pass rushers. They're really aggressive. They're one of the more blitz aggressive teams. Uh, they're getting healthy on the back end. I know Marcus Williams was banged up, had, is playing with an injury and they get Marlon Humphrey back. Like this is a, that's a scary proposition to go on the road and not put your best foot forward. So you can't give Baltimore because well, Baltimore, they've had a couple instances of offensive outbursts, but I still think they're a team that's getting used to the new system that they're playing with Todd Monken for Lamar Jackson. So Don't give them short fields and give them free access to points and force them to go the full length of the field and not make their own mistakes as they're at the halfway point. They're struggling with some wide receiver production and consistency. Make them play well on their own accord. Do not give them the turnovers and set them up in the short field or you will lose this game and you will not cover the spread. Jarvis, why, why do you think the offense in Seattle has not clicked to the way that we...
0: It's mostly the same guys. And they added Jackson Smith and Jigua. That was supposed to take this offense to the next level,
2: and it just hasn't so far. What have we known the Seattle Seahawks' identity to be? Running the yeah, football yeah. and playing defense. That's why they traded for Leonard Williams. That's why they've had, they drafted a few running backs and, and, and started with Kenny Walker out of Michigan State. All of those things matter like it's so hard to get away from who you are when you start to do that you draft all these sexy weapons like i think they seem to be a theme here today i don't know what's going on with me in my life but uh, when you start drafting all these weapons now you got to figure out how to use them right and it in figuring out how to use them and trying to get those guys involved and trying to satisfy all you guys and dk and because he's been there and we know the megatron type of way that he plays on, on the football field like you that, that's when the offense gets confusing, right? That's when you start to have identity issues. And I really feel like you got a guy like Geno Smith, he who's, who's, has been a reclamation project out there in Seattle. He's been turning his career around and he looked like he's back on track. But it, 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 like it, it, it never fails. When you try to get out of character on offense, it, it, it's going to show time and time again. And I really feel like they have to get back to the bases. Do what you do. Do what you do best, and that's run the football and play defense. It's going to be tough this
0: week against that Mike McDonald defense. In a potential playoff preview, speaking of the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals host the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night football. James Rapine of Locked on Bengals joins us to sell you why the Bengals cover as one-and-a-half-point favorites.
6: The Bengals are one and a half point favorites against the Bills on Sunday, according to FanDuel. Will they be able to handle business against their AFC rivals and win their fourth straight game? Hi again, everyone. I'm James Rapine from the Locked on Bengals podcast, and I absolutely think the Bengals will cover that one and a half point spread, according to FanDuel. Why? Well, let's start with QB1. Joe Burrow is officially healthy. He is back. Ran for 43 yards last week, was making great Movement in the pocket, moving around like we're used to him seeing, completed 28 of 32 passes for 283 yards, and he has a history of dicing up the Bills. Did that in the playoff game in January in Buffalo when the Bengals won 27 to 10 in the divisional round. I expect this offense to start fast for a third straight game, and that starts with Joe Burrow, but it doesn't end there. In fact, I think this Bengals offense has another gear, and we could start to see that starting this week. First off, the offensive line had a really good day against the San Francisco 49ers. Part of that has to do with Burrow being able to move around. I think they're coming into their own. I think this offense as well with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, all of these other weapons around Burrow and Jamar Chase, they're coming into their own as well. And defensively, they continue to force turnovers, get big stops in crucial moments. That's been a theme over the past month or so, certainly during this Bengals three-game winning streak, I think they'll keep it alive, win their fourth straight game, and get their first AFC win of the season. This could be a high-scoring game. I like the Bengals to cover the one and a half points. For more on this matchup, make sure you check out the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Yeah, Kyle, the over-under in this game is 50 and a half, according to our friends at FanDuel. I don't know who I like to win this game. I know that I like that one. I like the over in this one. Uh, Is it just as simple as Joe
1: Burrow is healthy, so the Bengals are fixed? Um, It it certainly feels that way. I think the defense is playing better as well. You know, James talked about the turnovers that they've been able to create the last couple of weeks. Um, But I think specifically about the matchup against the Bills and injuries are really looming large for Buffalo that you don't love what they have to work with, with, Daquan Jones being replaced with Jordan Phillips on the interior as the primary player stepping into that spot. There's a reason they went out to the free agent bin and got Linval Joseph this week and added him to the, the mix. There's a reason why they traded a third-round pick to the Packers for Rasul Douglas because Trey White's down with an Achilles tear and, and Kyir Elam seemingly can't be, be dressing in spite of being a first-round pick in last year's NFL draft. So they got Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, they're really hurting on the back end. Matt Milano, the quarterback of that defense, is down. Tyrell Dotson uh, has been a good player, but they don't have another player. He was supposed to be the uh, de facto two linebacker because they run base nickel. But if he has to be the guy trying to place Milano, I don't I don't think that uh, matches up well. And then you look at the weaponry of Cincinnati. Jamar Chase, he he mossed him in the, in the playoff game last year. And... If you don't have the pass rush up front, Von Miller's back, but he's not Von Miller. You don't have Daquan Jones, who's playing at like probably an all pro level with what he showcased in the first month of the season. It's just too much, I think, to overcome to go into Cincinnati and play. I know Buffalo's motivated because of the way the playoff game went last year. And if it was in Orchard Park, I'd probably feel different. But the fact that it's in Cincinnati, I think negates the human element of Buffalo's motivation to play the game, where I think the personnel issues with Buffalo being as banged up as they are are just going to be too much to overcome.
0: Yeah, Jarvis, I'm pretty sure that Kyle made up at least three of the names that he just mentioned that are playing in that Bill's secondary because this is, this is a, a really banged up group right now. And this is a team that lost to the Bengals 27 to 10 in the postseason. Kyle mentioned that one. Why, why should we believe that this matchup is going to go any differently
2: given the composition of these two teams right now? I don't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't <laughs> believe that <laughs> because, because here's the thing, like watching the Bengals, the really, cool thing that i i I like about what they've been doing offensively is they joe burrow's been getting the football out of his hands and that makes sense right because you have so many playmakers on that offense you know when you talk about you know jamar chase and what he's able to do and you got guys like tyler boyd who can still make plays for you and then magically they just realized that joe mixon Hey, let's get him the football as well. Let's put the ball in his hands, whether we're turning around and handing it off to him or we're throwing it to him out of the backfield. So I just think that, you know, given, you know, with Joe Burrow coming off, Joe Cool coming off of injuries and, and, and playing like and being the type of quarterback that he is, hey, let's get this. Until he gets, we feel like he's fully healthy. Let's not drop him back do these seven step drops. I'm talking about. Let's get the ball out of his hands, get into the hands of a playmaker, and let's move the chains. Because and then we'll figure out once that defense start coming up and start being aggressive and start trying to come down and press and all that stuff. That's when you take your shots down the field because we know that they have the the weaponry to be able to take advantage of one on one coverage downfield. Lastly, here the Los Angeles Rams, traveled to
0: Green Bay to take on the Packers, the Rams, three-point underdogs in that one. Here's Doug McCain of Locked On Rams to sell you why the Rams cover that spread.
7: Hey, hey, what's going on? Locked on NFL. Doug McCain here from Locked on Rams. And I'm here to tell you why the Rams are going to cover the plus three spread against the Packers. Reason number one, I believe that Matthew Stafford's going to play. The big question here in Ramsland is, is it going to be a thumbs up or thumbs down for Stafford on Sunday? He's been dealing with a thumb injury that's held him out of practice all week. Head coach Sean McVay said it's going to be a game time decision. I think he's going to give it a go because one, he's the ultimate competitor. He's a warrior. He's played through injuries in the past. And two, the Rams need this game in a big way. If they want to have any realistic chance of making the playoffs this season, here's Stafford here, Matthew. if you need my thumb, you can take, you can take my thumb. I don't need it. Just be QB one and lead this Rams team to a victory. Now, if he's unable to give it a go, expect to see backup quarterback, Brett Rippon under center last week in relief of Matthew Stafford, he went five for ten. For 42 yards not the best backup quarterback in the league by any stretch you need a big game from him if he's gonna be qb1 this week now the second biggest reason why i think the rams will cover i think you get a big bounce back performance from the rams top two receivers cooper cup and puka nakua did not have a good week against the cowboys Puka Nakua, seven targets, had three catches, 43 yards. He dropped a touchdown. He's the rookie Phenom. And then Cooper Cup did not look like Super Cup. He did not look like Mr. Triple Crown, had less than 30 yards receiving for the second week in a row. And you look at this Packers secondary, they've been melted cheese. I think you're going to get a big game from them. And then you look at this Packers offense, less than 21 points a game for the last five consecutive games. Jordan Love hasn't been on the same page with this receiving core. You look at guys like Christian Watson, guys like Jaden Reed, who had a nice game against the Vikings. But I look at Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs last week, 17 targets, just seven catches for 51 yards. I look for a big bounce back performance from this Rams secondary it hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks. They've been barbecue brisket, but I think they're going to step up. Akella Witherspoon, having one of the better years, the first part of the season, has started to drop off the last couple of games. I look at that matchup between him and Christian Watson. Watson has got the size, he's got the speed. Witherspoon, he's got the size, but does he also have the speed to keep up with him? So I think this Rams team... Stafford under center, a desperate team, a Packer team that's been reeling. I like the Rams winning this one in Green Bay, covering whose house is locked on Rams house. There's a lot in there, a lot in you there.
2: Sure, a few brisket, melted cheese? Melted cheese? Oh no Now I'm just hungry. Can
0: we? I, I'd like some some buffalo brisket and maybe some melted cheese on some bread. DoorDash,
2: Peter. That's DoorDash. I promise they got Great you. Point. Great point. That is that is why
0: they pay you the big bucks. Kyle, um, this this does seem like it comes down to who's playing quarterback for the Rams. If it's Matthew Stafford, like it's kind of hard to pick the Packers right now given the way that they played. But if it's Brett Ripon, who uh, like I don't know. Is, is he an NFL player? Maybe like, it seems like everything is going to be who's playing quarterback for the Rams.
1: Yeah. And I know, I know uh, we got an update this afternoon that they're willing to take that all the way up to game time. So we're, we'll Mm -hmm. find out about 90 minutes before the kick, if we have any confidence in the Rams ability to cover this spread or not. Uh, But I I think
0: with their bye week coming up, it doesn't like, it just doesn't seem like the smart thing. He's, he's on a hundred million dollar contract. Like they've got the bye week just rest him. I say that. Not because I cover the Packers, maybe a little.
1: <laughs> I think the concern is the Rams are starting to show a little bit of their inexperience. Uh, they're so young in so many places, and they're 1-3 in their last four football games, and they've been very inconsistent. They haven't played complementary football. You get one side of the ball that shows up. The other side of the ball doesn't show up for you. And if you run out Brett Rippin and you lose that game, you go to 3-6, and six, you come out, and you, you got to play Seattle coming out of the bye. You still have a trip to, to Baltimore in there. You still got to go to San Francisco this season. So you start doing the math of what were your aspirations for this season. You don't really have a lot of margin for error because you're now sitting at three and five. So I think if he can go, you probably try to get some momentum and climb back to five, four and five and say, okay, we come out of the bye week. We get Stafford a week of rest. We can get back to 500 for the stretch run before we go to Arizona. Uh, with our 11th game of the season. So I I do think it, in the scope of the NFC, Peter, you mentioned when we talked about the trade deadline, a lot of jostling amongst a lot of teams in the NFC. Those playoff spots, they feel are are up for grabs. and, And the Rams, I don't just think they have a lot of margin for error because they've been slipping the past month. Uh, this this to me, Jarvis
0: comes down to how how delusional are you about what's going on in the NFC? Like this to me, the Rams are not really a competitor in the NFC, but Sean McVay is probably not going to accept that.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's 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 like it's, it's talking about doing hard assessments, right? Because I think you just think one of the reasons why he may feel that way, because they got a hundred million dollar quarterback that won him a Super Bowl. So yeah. if you feel like you have your if Matthew Stafford is healthy, you should be able to go out and compete because they got all the sexy on offense. You got Tutu Atwell. at You got uh, Cooper Cup who just come back. He started off great. But, you know, like you said, he had a little slip up last week against the Cowboys. So all of those things kind of add up to saying, you know, why wouldn't he feel that way? But I just feel like this is a this is the type of game that I feel like they if you are going to compete, if you want to be taken seriously, you better go out there and get get a win. And if you're talking about your $100 million quarterback not being there, that's an issue. That's a problem. And I think that that's something that's going to have to get figured out because – that I think some of this luster for Sean McVay, as far as being the, the Wonderkin, offensive Wonderkin, and all that stuff, all those, days, I feel like those days are gone. And he's going to have to do something in order to get this thing right because he was talking about playing around with retirement and all this stuff and riding off into the sunset. And now that you got your contract and everything like that, you know, situated, it just really feels like this is the time for you to kind of, you know, I hate to put the big, 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 um, grandiose type of thing on, on 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 this particular game but this is something that you got to, have to prove like hey prove to me that you're the guy that remembers plays from 1999 and, and you using it to 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 score touchdowns with brett Rippin as your quarterback let's do that i cannot believe you got a
0: sexy reference in there without mentioning kelly stafford or Blueface. but the sexy show continues here on locked on nfl kickoff live we get you set for your fantasy lineups And your betting lines, all of that in just a second here on our live.
2: Guess what, guys? Jarvis Davis here for Prize Picks. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by prizepicks.com slash NFL. Yes, you need to go to that website. If you didn't go to it earlier on, what the heck are you waiting on? Why are you tripping? I need you to go here because this is daily fantasy sports made easy. I've been having a time of my life winning up to 25 times my money this football season. All you got to do is really, really easy, guys. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. I'm telling you. I've been testing my skills. You know, I feel like I got a nice little skill set this football season and because this is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. I don't get it. What are you, what are you waiting on? Prospects.com/slash locked on NFL. Prospects.com/slash locked on NFL, and use the code Locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Yes, let me say that again for all you slow people. Locked on NFL. The code. Drop it in there. Prospects.com/slash locked on NFL is the website, and for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All
0: right, which player should we be getting into our fantasy lineups this week? Locked on fantasy football host, Misal Majuk, gives us her top three players we need to start for week nine.
8: There are three players that I love this week, and I'm making sure I get them into my fantasy lineups. First up, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. He gets to face the Eagles. And Dak Prescott has put up two really great fantasy performances over his last two games. He had a very disappointing start to the season, but he's putting it together. And this week, he'll... He'll get to face the Eagles in what should be a very high scoring game. And the Eagles defense is giving up the fifth most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. And Prescott has scored at least 28 fantasy points in each of the last two matchups against the Eagles. Dak Prescott should finish as a top six fantasy quarterback in week nine. Next player I'm getting into my not lineups is Colts running back Zach Moss against the Carolina Panthers. Zach Moss has been highly consistent this season, finishing as a top 15 running back in five of his seven weeks play this season. And Moss has actually outscored Jonathan Taylor in three of the four weeks that these two have played together this year. And he gets an extremely favorable matchup this week against the Panthers, who are allowing the second most fantasy points per game and the most touchdowns. Two running backs this season. I think both Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor are smash plays in week nine. And then last up is Chiefs wide receiver Rashi Rice against the Dolphins in Germany so early game, but it just feels like Rashi Rice is sitting right there. He's a he's a rookie, and he's sitting right there on the edge of a massive breakout performance. He played a career-high 60% of snaps last week, and he's had at least 50 receiving yards in each of the last three weeks. Vegas is expecting this game to be a super high-scoring game with the highest over-under of the week at 51 points, so there should be a ton of scoring opportunities for Rasheed Rice in this game, so I his upside this week is extremely High and I want him in My fantasy lineups in week nine
0: A lot of fun games on the slate This week we've talked about some of them Guys I want to talk about where you think The betting angles are on this We already talked a little bit about Bengals Bills we all seem to like the over in that One 50 and a half Are is is are we in agreement that
1: the Bengals minus one and a half is the play Kyle. I think so. Or at least, at least it is for me uh, that, that home field advantage in Cincinnati getting hot the way that they have. Oh, Buffalo, even winning the last two weeks against the New York giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's been like pulling teeth at times. And you know they, they're, they're kind of dealing with their own personnel issues with Dawson Knox out and elevating Dalton Kincaid, their first round pick into a higher role. And, Uh, trying to get consistency going with anybody that's not just throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen working with an injury this week in practice. So I just think there's enough here that Cincinnati feels like they are red hot. It feels like they have their momentum rolling and Buffalo is kind of start, stop, start, stop. You got to go on the road and and play in an environment like Cincinnati. Uh, With that small of a spread, I'm definitely taking Cincinnati minus one and a half.
2: Jarvis, are you feeling the same way? Absolutely, yeah. Like, it's, like I said, the way this Bengals office has been playing these last few weeks, I really feel like this is this is one of those games where we're going to see Joe Cool come out, I, and that's why I feel like a one and a half point spread. Oh man, at home, yeah. that's that's yeah, that's easy money right there. Uh,
0: so we, we we did we did get that Eagles Cowboys crossover between uh, Marcus Mosher and, and Gino Camilleri there. It seems like uh, the, the Eagles are. Uh, The the consensus on the dais right now, Eagles minus three. Uh, Kyle, what's the case for the Cowboys plus the three in this one? Uh,
1: I I think the the case is Philly doesn't have success running the football and they have to get one-dimensional. I know A.J. Brown has been monstrous this season and he's 929 yards or whatever it is to the first eight weeks of the season. But uh, I, I think Philly has to be able to keep you off balance because of all the ball hawks they have in the secondary If you're going to turn this into a drop-back passing game with Jalen Hurts against Dan Quinn and all the things that he can do with scheming pressures, uh, I think that's where Dallas could get some inroads. Do I believe that happens? No, I don't. I think Philly is able to control the line of scrimmage. I would take Philly minus three, but if there was the pathway for Dallas, we talked about the defensive scoring that they had, you got to get on top early. You got to force a big mistake early maybe steal a possession, go up two scores, and then try to boa constrict your way to a win against Philly by forcing them to be what they don't want to be offensively.
0: Jarvis, for for the Eagles, um, they're trying to find some continuity on defense. It seems like this is a, a, a showcase game for them. Potentially, you've got Kevin Byard with a little more time to come in. Like... I, I I feel like I kind of want to take like Philly on like an adjusted line, like adjust this out to seven because I feel like if Philly wins, they could, it
2: could be a they could be ten, it could be fourteen. Yeah, easy. Yeah, because you know, like like what Kyle talked about as far as that balance, man. I think that's a big thing for them on the offensive side of the football. So, you know, when you have a guy like Byard coming in in the middle of a season they're used to doing things a certain way. This is a guy who's a former all pro safety. So when he coming in in that first game, like you really have to have, give him some grace coming in. Right. Because I know people are like, Oh my God, this, the defense still looks exactly the same. No, let's get him in there. Get him sitting down with the defense coordinator for, for the second week. And Hey, how you want to do things? What do you like to do? This is how we used to make this call. When we talk about this particular coverage, the language is different, right? Like you may have the same type of scheme, but they, you talk, you communicate in different ways with his secondary that he played with in the Tennessee Titans versus the Eagles. So I think once you get him into implementing integrated into that system, I really feel like you're gonna see what why they traded for him in this second week versus the first week because, like you said, he's had time to sit down and kind of figure out how they do things, and then he's gonna be able to bring some of the things the way he does things to integrate that into it as well. And I really feel like you're gonna be in a space where you're gonna see the benefit of it, and I think that. The Cowboys are a perfect team to be going up against for them to sit, to put it on display.
0: Uh, Kyle, let me throw a little bit of a curveball here at you as we wind up here. This this Buccaneers Texans game is is one of those like uh, random games that I'm really excited to watch because I want to see Todd Bowles against C.J. Stroud. I want to see if the if the one week blip of Stroud not looking great is a blip or if it's a bigger deal here. Texans three point favorites hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you have a lean on this one?
1: Yeah, I think anytime you have an aggressive defense going against a young quarterback, I do I do think that is a matchup that I don't love. Now, Houston, I don't I don't want to say they've overperformed expectations because I think everybody expected this to kind of be a scrappy team. I don't think many people expected them to be sixth in scoring defense at this stage of the season. Uh and, and that's the concern for for Tampa Bay, is they're not very well balanced offensively. They cannot run the ball at all all they are horrible on the ground so it's baker mayfield coming out and throwing against this houston texans defense but i i kind of lean into the experience of tampa bay with them performing kind of sticking through that gut check game against buffalo and being there close at the end of the football game but not quite getting it done whereas you worry about a young team like houston losing at Carolina, then coming home. They get a big game against Cincinnati next week. Like they're kind of in the meat of like this very chaotic stretch of their season. I would trust the team that has more experience to get it done in a game like this. But this is one of those ones where I think you could flip the coin and I wouldn't be surprised at the outcome either way. I would just lean Tampa Bay. For me,
0: it's just one of those games why I'm so interested in it. First of all, I'm a a dork. And so I like stuff like this, but also I think D'Amico Ryan's has done such a great job this season, culture wise, schematic wise. You mentioned um, what they've been able to put together with a defensive group that, by the way, is not that talented. Will Anderson has been unbelievable, and so if D'Amico Ryan's is the coach of the year, I feel like this is this is the game where he says, "Yep, this is this is my award. I'm taking it," and we are a, a franchise going in the right direction. We we really brought it on on a high note. Texans Bucks, let's do this. I'm Peter Bukowski, that's Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs. This has been Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Catch us every Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.